Really quickly, I wanted to come on and tell you that this afternoon, once Trump is arraigned, fingerprinted, mugshot, the whole thing, we're going to have a professor of criminal law join me for a live show on our YouTube channel and also Patreon to discuss the specific charges. There could be up to 30 of them, and we're going to have an expert discuss what it is, what they mean, and what that means for a potential sentencing for him going forward. So, don't miss that. Stay tuned if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel. Get over there. They'll be on the Patreon as well. And uh, we'll be able to answer some questions too from there. So don't miss it. Live show. Really big. Trump getting arrested. Can't wait. We will see you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake Political Podcast. I am your host, Nick Houselman. And today, Jared Yates Sexton is out uh, doing a lot more important things. And he's left me to my own devices. And as a result, I wanted to have a uh, interesting discussion about what's going on in the middle part of America in a, in a place that I hold dear, near and dear to my heart since I went to the University of Wisconsin. And I'm pleased to have on the show as a guest, Lou Friedland, who is a professor emeritus in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Wisconsin in Madison and is very active politically in what's going on there. So, Lou, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, and you, I think there's some really important things that uh, you need to talk to us about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this Supreme Court race, I'm guessing by now almost every one of your listeners knows this, but this is, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. This is the most important race in the country uh, right now, for sure. Um, I think it's important for a lot of reasons, uh, but not the least of which is that our Supreme Court in 2020 came within one vote of giving our electoral votes to Donald uh, Trump. Uh, The Supreme Court was the only one in the country to consider overturning the results of the election. If this election goes to the conservative tomorrow, He was an attorney for the fake election slate. So that gives you an idea of what's going to happen in 2024. So folks who aren't from Wisconsin should understand that the 2024 presidential election is in many ways on the line tomorrow, as well as what happens in our state. Well, hang on for a second, because I think that most people are under the impression that the crazies uh, on January 6th uh, had a lot of fake notions of electors and, and, and fraudulent votes. We, we put that away. Democracy survived. Everything is great. How can you tell me that there's still a state out there that might actually be able to have that this scheme come true? And by the way, it sounds a bit unique. It doesn't sound like what happened in Arizona or they tried to do in Pennsylvania. Well, I, I'm still confused. How is this possible? Well, it's possible because um, the Republican Party in Wisconsin uh, ever since 20, uh, 2011 has been stripping the state of democratic uh, uh, rule, really, uh, again and again and again. And we are the bellwether. Uh, we, are, we are a state uh, where there's um, progressive, uh, progressive majorities. We've elected uh, Democratic governors, Democratic attorney general, one Democratic senator. I wish it was two um, uh, in the past uh, several elections. So there's, you know, we have the votes on a statewide basis. But um, to give you one example, uh, our assembly, uh, we have the most gerrymandered state in the United States, uh, literally the worst in the United States, even though we're a northern state. Um, and uh, in 2018, uh, 55% of people voted for Democrats in state assembly races. 
they got 33 seats out of 99. So, so that'll give you a sense of the state. It, it, the state of our state is, is, is radically skewed to the right. That's the short answer. Yeah. And it's weird because having gone there, you know, it was a bastion of, of liberalism uh, for a long, long time coming out of the 60s. Uh, but I suppose you can get a little bit of a distorted view of that if you stay around, you know, Madison or Milwaukee. I suspect once you get out of those state, uh, those areas, uh, you get into the, the, the wooded areas, I, I suppose, <laughs> rural, um, which probably looks maybe similar to like what Michigan looked like uh, in, you know, when you're talking about people who are plotting to uh, kidnap the governor. Yeah, I mean, there were actually Wisconsinites who were part of that plot to kidnap the Michigan governor. So so literally, that's true. That said, it's important to understand, and it's complicated you know, for folks on the coast who, who live in you know largely blue states. Um, I don't think they actually understand the middle of the country very well. Um, you know, we have cities here. So if you get outside, you're right. But if you get outside of Mass and Milwaukee, you have Green Bay. That's the third largest city. It's It's got a Democratic mayor you ever seen. Kenosha, Beloit, uh, Sheboygan, and I can go on, right? These are Democratic cities. Um, and so it's a patchwork state like most states in the United States are. But because most states in the United States, even blue ones, skew somewhat to the rural areas, that means that legislative politics in particular in all states, but especially in swing states like ours, skew to the right much more than the actual center of public opinion in our states. Well, can you walk us through a little bit about, you mentioned it was one vote away, basically. It was, it's a four to three majority um, right now. Uh, I, on the Supreme Court right now, it's, it's actually tilted toward the conservatives, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. And so what it's, was the case that was brought in 2020 for the for the national election for the uh, presidential It was race? To whether to hear, whether to hear, whether our Supreme Court would hear the case about fake electors, essentially the case to replace the duly elected Joe Biden electors with a fake and illegal set of Trump electors. And they, they were fake and they were illegal. And one... There's a four to three conservative majority. One conservative justice voted not on substantive grounds, but on procedural grounds. Like he said, they filed the petition too late. So that's how close we came to entertaining a fake elector scheme. And if that court had entertained that fake elector scheme, if they were if they admitted it in the first place, there's a pretty good chance that they would have gone ahead and said, okay. Fake electors. We're going to switch. We're going to flip Biden's electors, and that a uh, uh, lot of things could have happened if that happened. None of them good, including a cascade of other states. It would have delegitimized the entire election. I mean, it would have. It would have. I mean, it's hard to imagine worse chaos than we were in at that time. But I think it could have actually made things even worse than they were. Hmm. Uh, I'm actually trying to look up how many uh, electoral votes Wisconsin has because you're talking about a bit of the cascade because in my mind I'm saying, okay, great. Wisconsin gives the – how many electoral votes are there? Do you know? Eleven. Eleven. So eleven wouldn't necessarily you know, swing an election. It could, but it doesn't – I don't think it has been that close for a while. So um, what the cascade is interesting. Do you think that like this would then be the template for you know, the states that we've already seen for 2020? Are we willing to get closer to this as well and, and use that as a way to uh, overturn the election? Absolutely. I think it, I think it would have been the template. 
this is a thing to remember. Wisconsin's anti-democratic practices, and I mean small d anti-democratic practices, this has been a laboratory for the far right, for the Koch brothers and, and allies since 2011. They rolled back right to work here. They, they destroyed unions in this state when this was one of the strongest union states in the, in the union. They destroyed the teachers union. They defunded the universities. They defunded public education. Um, they stripped the DNR, the, the environmental agency of the state of its regulatory power. This was the laboratory for almost everything. This was Trumpism before the fact. They tried it all out here, and it wasn't an accident because once they got that gerrymandered legislature and, and Scott Walker is a Republican governor in 2010, they said, well, we're not, you know, this is a license to do whatever we want regardless of public opinion. So they've been, they've been going full tilt until 2018 when Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat, was elected, which was the first fire break. But it's sort of been a holding action for the last four years. It's sort of, we have the veto. The last thing they did, by the way, when Walker was defeated was to strip the governor of his power uh, and the attorney general. So they said, well, you've, you've freely elected a Democratic uh, governor and attorney general, so let's just take away their power before they take office. So that was the you know, again, the icing on the cake. So, so yeah, this has been a template for the rest of the country. What happens here spreads to other places, unfortunately. And on the other hand, if the progressive forces win the election tomorrow, win the Supreme Court election, one of the first things that's going to come before that new court is a case around gerrymandering. If the back is broken of that gerrymander, then all of a sudden we have a fair fight in Wisconsin again. And I think in a fair fight, it'll take a little while, but I think we'll claw back democracy and reestablish democracy in this state. You know, it's a little bit soul killing to think that uh, a Supreme Court justice could simply be a rubber stamp for one way or the other. And it, it definitely feels that way. I think they've been exposed in the, on the, the Supreme Court of the, of the land. It certainly has we've been, been exposed to that now. And it, it frustrates me to hear that, where you're saying like we just we simply have to get someone who's backed by Democrats, quote unquote, to get to have that seat, so that it can actually have uh, you know uh, sort of a fair judgment on these cases. Um, especially because uh, actually it's interesting is uh, do our all states? I'm going to plead ignorance for a second. I don't know if all states do an election for Supreme Court justices in each state. Is that right? No, they do not. Um, it's, it varies state by state, and I think it's a minority. I'm pretty sure, and I'm not an expert on this. I should be really clear, but I think it's a minority of states that elect their Supreme Court judges. Mm-hmm. And you know, the problem is, is that in a if we still lived in a normal, fair, democratic, small D democratic society, that would be okay. You know, people every ten years elect a Supreme Court justice, and it balances out over the long run, and maybe a little more conservative or maybe a little more liberal, but oh, it would be a, a, that, that worked in Wisconsin for a long time, right? Um, the court was somewhat more liberal when I first got here in the 80s and 90s, and it drifted to the right, but not extreme right. But, but, but over the starting around 2010, it started drifting to the extreme right. Um, and so, yeah, that's the problem. When, when one side stops playing by the rules, 
it incentivizes the other side. I mean, I, I, I don't, I actually, um, I am a Democrat, surprise, but uh, I don't think the Dems have stopped playing by the rules, but it forces you to kind of say, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to gerrymander the state so badly that in the, in the U.S. Supreme Court says the only way that can be overturned is by your state Supreme Court, then we're going to have to fight like hell to to get a court that'll overturn that gerrymander. And, and, you know, it's not, I don't think it's ideal. I agree with you, Nick. I would rather have more neutral courts, uh, but unfortunately we don't. Uh, I, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember even being there in the, in the early nineties and uh, the mayor of Madison was a lot who had gone there and was part of the, the movement in the sixties, I think, uh, you know, started cracking down on like parties for underage drinking and houses and like distinctly, uh, you know, non uh, progressive uh, uh, things. Right. Uh, and, and, and I remember even then hearing people complain, um, like the specific memory I have would be, you know, about how Bill Clinton didn't win the majority of votes in 92. And now he's representing the whole country and this sort of, you know, if Paul Ryan was probably, I don't think he didn't go to Madison, but he was basically that, that template was, you know, around and that right. must have been continuing to grow from then straight to 2010. And you're not talking out of turn when you say you have a kind of a specific area you can point to, or a, a year you can point to when this became a, uh, the, the breed ground I, I believe they have evidence don't they have like emails that were that that really uh confirmed that this was the gerrymandering that they did was what the republican party in the in, overall in the, in the country oh, was oh absolutely uh there's a there's a great book uh by a guy named david daly good really fine journalist it's i don't know if i can say this on a podcast but the title is rat eft oh you can um, say it. we said worse I can't we talk about this because I love um, no rat fuck is the name of the book. And it mm-hmm. basically the GOP nationally, it was Carl Rove, uh, George Bush's brain, as he was sometimes called, who was the, the, the brains behind project red map. That's what it was called. And for the first time, the Repubs figured out and to the demo. I mean, I, I still think the Dems were several steps behind and I take that responsibility. Right. That was stupid. But they figured out, hey, we now have these computers. We can figure out, we can draw maps so that we can maximize our advantage literally to the house. You know, and there are so there are streets where they've divided Sheboygan used to be one district and one side, one 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 side of the streets in one district, one side's the other. They maximized that map. And then they said that they were they were dancing. One of the Republican aide, we know this because Todd Albaugh was an aide to one of the Republicans in that room and they were dancing and they said the Democrats will never win an election again in this state. College students won't be able to vote. They were, they were just laughing and happy about it. So there's no mystery to it. It's not speculation and it's not finger pointing. It's documented. Um, so yeah. we, we spend a lot of time, at least, or I do at least, trying to sort of understand from the other point of view, like what is going on here and why, why they would be, um, you know, so so willing to go against what clearly is a majority of the opinion in Wisconsin. Um, I don't know if you have an answer to that. I mean, generally what we come up with is that they are convinced that their policies, no matter how unpopular they might be, will be so great for everybody, you will see that it's, it's worth risking violating our democracy just to get them in so that everybody eventually will then enjoy the, the benefits of these things. Yeah, I mean, I suppose some of them probably do see it that way. I think others are just more cynical. They know they're a minority. 
They know their pot. They know their policies are unpopular. You know, people don't like voucher schools. Seventy, I think, seventy-four percent, five percent of the people in the state support, you know, relatively free access to abortion. Sixty-six percent of the people in the state are against the gerrymander. It, you know, there's no mystery where the public stands on these policies, and they, the Republican Party, knows that, and they say. Well, we can only enforce these through this radical minority rule. Only if we strip away the right of people to actually democratically elect their electors, elect their representatives, one person, one vote. That's the only way we're ever going to win. And they want to stay in power. You know, they're a party of, you know, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, which is the big business lobby in this state, is pouring money into Dan Kelly, the conservatives campaign. You know, they're running like, ads that are just out and out lies uh they charge uh, they 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 said that uh protosewitz the demo the progressive not the democratic no the progressive candidate they said that she had uh sentenced uh uh a, a rapist and the victim was upset and and was in tears well the victim the woman who was the the victim in that rape came out and said no she was a good judge she did a fair job and she was happy with the sentence and it, you know, and they were lying and they, she was, she said that the, that the Kelly and the Republicans supporting him had re-traumatized her by dragging her name out against her will. They didn't take the ad down. Right. So it's, I saw it, they were supposed to, they, they, they acknowledged that it was wrong, but then I was sitting in a bar just before, you know, a couple hours ago with a friend and I saw that on the air. So it's all, it's bare knuckles, man. It's, it's it's raw power. If we lose power, we're going to lose power, and we're going to do everything we can to keep it. I think it's almost that simple. Well, before we get into the state of what the race is, because I know we're on the precipice of having the actual vote uh, being all of the votes being tabulated. Um, you mentioned abortion as another uh, uh, issue that I think will be coming up. Um, tell us a little bit more about what's going on with that, because uh, it's interesting. And I just had Michaela Kavanaugh on the show in Nebraska, who is filibustering the entire Senate so they can't get anything done. And what was interesting about that is she's advocating for trans rights. But it turns out there's a whole host of other things they were trying to, to pass that her filibustering is stopping. And I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. if there's a laundry list here in Wisconsin as well, starting with abortion. Well, abortion is as you can imagine, now after Dobbs, one of the key issues in the state, we we're, we now live under an. This is hard to believe, but it's true. We're in, after the Dobbs decision in the Supreme Court repealing the right to abortion. We now live under an 1849 abortion law. So our laws reverted back to an 1849 law. If Dan Kelly wins. The, the conservative tomorrow, that law will be upheld. So we will be going literally back to 1849 in this state. Well, I shouldn't say we will be. We are back to 1849 right now. Uh, Janet Protasewicz, the progressive, has said that she absolutely stands behind a woman's right to choose. And while, of course, there's literally no case in front of her signaling pretty clearly that she will vote to repeal, you know, to, 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 to override that law if it comes before her. Um, so abortion is absolutely on the line. There's no question about it. In fact, Dan Kelly today, the Monday, the day before the election, is flying around the state in a private jet 
paid for paid for by major anti-abortion advocates. But he says he's not political, right? So, um, you know, so abortion is absolutely on the line, and uh, you know, this is a state with a strong conservative culture. Honestly, outstate, not only even in Milwaukee, strong Catholic culture, uh, strong right to life movement, um, and it, you know, it's. I may I disagree with it, but it, you know, some people come by it, I guess, honestly, in that sense. So it's not it's not clear what will happen on the abortion issue, but right now the win appears to be at the back of the pro-choice side. Okay, that's good. And and what is the state of the race right now? Are there polling numbers for for Supreme Court? Uh, there, there are none. There aren't. It's actually driving me crazy, to be perfectly honest. I know Charles Franklin, who's the best pollster in this state, and I wonder about him and say, Charles, please, please poll. But they're not polling. He's not polling, and his poll is the only one I would trust anyway, to be honest. There's private polls. There was a GOP poll that showed protests say what's up by two points. And usually their polls skew anything from three to five points in their own favor. So that would suggest that Protosawitz is in the mid to high single digits. That, I know that's totally speculative. That's making an on-the-fly adjustment. But even their own poll shows her up, too. Now, that's too within the margin of error, I'm sure. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure that's within the margin of error. So, so the GOP poll, the one poll we've seen, there's some other polls, some private polls on the on the progressive side that suggest that that Protosawitz is in the high single digits. Um, Protosawitz has outraised um, Kelly prodigiously. Uh, the last time I looked, and I haven't looked at the very most recent numbers, it was about five to one, which is unbelievable. For that's rare. For, because Republican billionaires have been pouring money into Kelly's race too. But Protosawitz has one advantage, which is that this is a little bit in the weeds, but if a candidate buys airtime, he or she buys it on the, the lowest, at the lowest available rate, meaning the cheapest rate. If a PAC buys airtime, they can pay two, three, four times as much. So because Janet's buying her own time and Kelly's buying basically pack money. Pack monies are buying his time. Even that five to one fundraising advantage is even magnified further if you compare on a ratings point by ratings point basis. So we dominate in the fundraising. We dominate in the uh, over the air. Um, and uh, you know, again, if you look at that as an indicator, usually that's an indicator that the side who dominates in those two areas is going to win but we'll know tomorrow. I can say that um, early voting results are strong in Dane County. Dane County, this is where Madison is, where you went to school, of course, but other folks may not know that. Dane County is the Democratic powerhouse of this state. Uh, we have huge turnouts usually, and they tend to be 80, 85% Democratic, which is amazing. So if Dane County turnout is as high as it looks like it's going to be, then that's a good sign too. Well, you know, we saw a an audit uh, funded by the state uh, that was sounded like a complete and utter ridiculous waste of money and time, right? When, and nothing ever came out of that. Um, and I'm curious if there's a concern that if uh, Protestantist wins, you know, is there going to be a muddled, uh, you know, result here where they're going to try and either contest that election or somehow be able to obscure what the, what really happened in the race? 
Well, that's a great question. And of course, the answer is, I don't know what their, what their plans are. They have in past races, there's documents that have emerged that show that they were going to claim that the vote was fraud even before the election. So again, that Trump playbook has been tried here in the past. Um, will they do it again? I wouldn't surprise me. Now, Kelly lost once before. Kelly lost in 2020. He was appointed by Scott Walker and he got beat straight up uh, in 2020. So he's a loser. <laughs> even even the GOP actually knows he's a loser. But people behind closed doors anonymously say, you know, why are we nominating this guy who already got beat just two years ago? So it's going to be hard for them to claim if Janet wins that it was not legitimate. But, you know, hey, I wouldn't put it past him, I guess is the only way I can put it. Right. Well, put, let's look at it this way. Let's say she wins and you have Governor Evers in charge and you, you don't have the control. Democrats don't have control of the senator of the House. But like so. So how much of a gridlock are we still stuck with then once that happens? Plenty of a gridlock. <laughs> It'll still be a stalemate between the legislature and the governor. It's just that when issues go to the court now, uh, you know, not every issue, I don't think, you know, I don't think the progressives will be in lockstep necessarily, but things will swing somewhat to the other side. So gerrymandering abortion, you're likely to see swing in a progressive direction. And right now in this sort of razor sharp stalemate type situation, that one little difference makes all the difference in policy in the state. Um, the Republicans are also, because of the gerrymander, close to a supermajority in both houses, both houses of Senate and the, and the Assembly, if they achieve that supermajority, there's a Senate critical Senate seat up on Tuesday, tomorrow too. If the Republicans win that seat, then I th they will have a supermajority in the Senate. Um, I believe they're one or two seats away in the Assembly. So they could just override everything that, that Evers vetoes and then hell will break loose. Well, that doesn't sound. Uh, that doesn't. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Um, it, it, by the way, is there polling for the Senate seat? Do we have any feeling on what that's going to turn into? No polls that I know of. I mean, I, if I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm if I'm honest about it, it's a gerrymandered Republican seat. The mm -hmm. the the Democrat running is running. Her name's Jody Habasinikin. She's running a great campaign, but God, she's probably got a five point natural disadvantage. I'm guessing she'll probably come within two and running a good campaign, but I would be surprised if she wins. I hope okay. she does, but I'd be surprised. Well, you know, I have Ben Wickler on my, uh, in my feed here and he sounds, you know, he's been, he's been, uh, tweeting prodigiously the last week or so about this and sounds somewhat positive about it. Uh, Wickler is the, uh, democratic chair, uh, of Wisconsin and, um, certainly someone who should follow if you want to keep up on this, uh, Lou, where can the good people find you? Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, but nobody wants to read my Twitter feed, to be honest. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm, I really am a scholar and I write and I, I do things that are, uh, more academic. I have a book from Cambridge university called battleground, um, Cambridge university press without my colleagues, uh, that describes in some depth how we got to this point. Um, uh, and that's probably the, best place to find me otherwise um i'm just a citizen doing my doing my duty as best as i can 
Well, we often have people on our live shows and when they listen to our pod ask us what what can people do to help alleviate the situation that we're in across the country. And certainly some of the things that you're doing, just being active and being helpful and, and keep making sure people understand what these things are is a really important thing. Um, so I'm glad that you could help, you know, lay that out for us and show us what, what can be done. And, and there is, there is a populist movement. There, there is a power to people getting together and, and standing up to the abuse of power. Right. I do. I do want to say one thing that this is not for me or to follow me, but I did in 2020, I organized a group called win Wisconsin that largely, and I know you, I think you know about it, Nick, we, we were appealing initially to people in California, but eventually it spread to the East coast as well to say, look, you, your state is your state and we're happy for you, but you can help us out. I would encourage people. You mentioned Ben Wickler, uh, uh, Martha Lanning in 2016 started turning the democratic party around in this state. Ben has continued that upward trend. We have a real small D democratic party. I know some people aren't always crazy about the democratic party, but our, in our state, it really is a democratic democratic party. It's a grassroots party. Ben's done a great job. So, so, I would encourage people, especially out of state, you know, it, help help the purple states, help your purple state brothers and sisters. If it's I give to the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, it's a good investment. Um, even give monthly if you can, even if it's just 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month. It makes a huge, huge difference in planning and fighting these fights because we've been fighting these fights for 12 years now, at least. And, you know, again, I'm just a, I'm a retired citizen. I'd like to be playing music right now, honestly, but, but we can't quit because otherwise we're going to lose democracy. And the way to support us is to support, in our case, the Democratic Party, but there's other places to give your money. If it's Arizona, Georgia, depending on Florida, help the people out who need your help. Well, Lou, thanks so much for laying that out for us and inspiring us to continue to do more and, and fight for democracy, because uh, you're right, it is it is as important as anything we're going to face uh, in our lifetime, I imagine. So, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And um, we'll uh, we'll keep our, our fingers crossed and our eyes peeled on the, uh, on the results for tomorrow. Thank you, Nick. And I'll meet you at the terrace for a beer the next time you're in town. A- absolutely. I will be there. OK, take good care.